My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Brad Stolberg is a best-selling author, consultant, executive coach, and adjunct professor at the University of Michigan. Brad regularly contributes to the New York Times, and his work has also been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and the Atlantic. In his coaching practice, he works with executives, entrepreneurs, physicians, and athletes on their mental skills and overall well-being. Brad earned both his undergraduate degree and master's degree from the University of Michigan. I hope you enjoy learning from Brad Stolberg today, because I always do. Brad, it's so great to connect with you today. I've just been seeing you everywhere. I see you on Twitter. I see you on LinkedIn. I hear you on podcasts. And so I'm really grateful that you'd share a few minutes with me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Nate. I'm glad to be talking with you. I love this project. So from your experience, Brad, in education, consulting, writing, speaking, coaching, what lessons would you most like to pass on to others? Yeah, it's such a profound question. um, And it's really hard to pick even just a couple, let alone one. Uh, But I think that the main lesson that I want to pass on is this notion that fierce self-discipline requires fierce self-compassion. So doing hard things, showing up, showing up even perhaps especially when you don't feel like it is just so integral to having meaning and texture and excellence in life but you've got to be kind to yourself too. Uh, Because if you're not, that self-discipline is not going to be sustainable. It's almost like self-discipline takes you to the really hard places and it allows you to step into the arena. But if you beat yourself up every time you fail, well, then why would you take that risk in the future? And I think that what ends up happening is that self-discipline and self-compassion, they kind of end up getting pitted against each other. So you've got the shelf in the bookstore It's all the Navy SEALs or Marines saying, you got to be tough and wake up early and make your bed and pick yourself up by the bootstraps and personal responsibility and so on and so forth. Then you've got the other aisle of the bookstore that is just self-love and sing kumbaya and hold hands. And in my work, what I found is that people that are on the path of excellence, it's not either or, it's both and. You got to like sing kumbaya and do the hard things. So really profound. How did you learn this? Uh, Through personal experience more than anything. I mean, it's in the research, right? It's really clear that individuals that are able to practice self-compassion, they're more resilient and they tend to work through challenges more skillfully. So I knew it intellectually, but it wasn't until I had a pretty severe episode of depression that I realized I wasn't very kind to myself. And I was carrying a lot of self-discipline, but no one really taught me the self-compassion side of the equation. And um, I really had to learn it just to get through because when you're in an acute depression, like simply showing up is really hard. Uh, and, And learning through that process just how to be kind to myself, how to give myself the benefit of the doubt, um, essentially how to have your own back, uh, is it really was like the visceral understanding. So I'd read a million papers on it and I thought maybe I was being kind to myself, but no, I was just pushing myself. Um, 
and I still push myself, but now I also do it in a way where it's, it's girded in a lot of self-compassion. Yeah. So how do you personally find that balance? Because obviously if, if you go too hard in either direction, there's going to be negative consequences. That's right. I think that, um, what I do is I often will tell myself that this is what's happening right now. I'm doing the best that I can. And just that simple self-talk, that mantra, just to get out of whatever reactivity is in front of me and just accept what's happening, right? This is what's happening. I'm doing the best that I can. And if I'm not doing the best that I can, then it forces me to realize that too. And it gives me an opportunity to, to make a shift. Um, I also think that there's been a whole lot of talk over the past couple of years about quote unquote self-care. And I do think it's really important to have a minimum effective dose in your life for sleep and nutrition and physical activity and all these things that really support a solid foundation. But I also think that um, self-care is really community care. All the research on resilience shows that um, the number one factor of resilience is seeking support and being enmeshed in, in a circle of belonging and community. Um, and I think that's another part of self-compassion is like getting out of the cult of productivity and allowing yourself to have time to forge that community and that sense of belonging because you never know when you're going to need it. Well, I think this is such an interesting framework because these two ideas are on the surface seemingly contradictory or, or maybe they're just explicitly contradictory. You know, it's a paradox because uh, the fierce self-discipline, I, I think of Dan Pink, I interviewed Dan Pink recently and he said uh, one of the things that he learned that he didn't learn until he was much older was that so much of his success just came from showing up, even if he didn't want to work. If he didn't want to write, he just had to go write. And and what we think is that our attitudes precede our behaviors, but so often it's just that fierce self-discipline. Like, I just got to do it. And then once I start doing it, then we'll make it happen. But that seems to contradict this notion of self-compassion, which reminds me of Peter Atia. And you're probably familiar with Peter Atia's work. And Peter was just beating himself up so badly that he was on the path towards destruction. And so we have to find it. It's like this yin and yang, this balance, this moderation of both of these. I don't know if you'd, you'd call them like traits, personality traits, or. I think it's a skill to be honest, like both self-discipline yeah. and self-compassion are skills. Um, you build them up over time. I wholeheartedly agree with Dan Pink that behavioral activation or mood follows action. It's a real thing. Um, but the only way that you're going to be able to keep showing up and doing that is if you're also kind to yourself and you have your own back and you don't judge yourself too harshly um, when, when, you, when you mess up or, or fall off the path. Um, because it is hard to show up all the time. It's hard when you've got kids running around in a job and maybe there's um, illness or injury uh, or just like periods that even the most average human experiences where motivation wanes and still showing up and doing the thing is the path to excellence and success. And there's a time and place for rest, of course. 
Um, but this isn't about just like making tea and having a self-care day. It's about the self-talk that says like, yeah, I don't feel like showing up, but I'm not actually ill right now. So I need to show up and I'm going to give myself a chance to feel good. And it's really freaking hard to do this. And I got my own back. And that last part is what allows you to do the first part for a very long period of time. Because what happens is when people just over-index on self-discipline, they like go really, really hard and they, then they burn out. I mean, you see this all the time with New Year's resolutions. Well, I, I love this, that one, rather than thinking of it as a trait, like you said, it's, it's a skill to be developed. And by practicing both of these, rather than them contradicting each other, they can actually, like you said, enable one another. Like what, what a key insight there. Yeah. And I think it's a broad thing too, which is the things that work, work until they get in the way. So self-discipline works until you self-destruct because yeah. you're pushing yourself so hard. Self-compassion works until you get so soft that you don't actually start. And every time you feel a little bit off, you let those feelings dictate what happens next. Um, so like any tool in a toolkit you know, it's about using it at the right situation with the right complementary tools. And just the last thing that makes me think of is uh, I've, I've been interested in Bitcoin and just the technology for how it works. And as the designers of Bitcoin are thinking about how do we optimize, for example, security and speed. And what you realize pretty quickly is there's always a trade-off. And, and that made me think of another thing that I heard recently Um the idea was there are no solutions, only trade-offs. And so I love this, this yin and yang, these, these two skills, they work until they get in the way. So we can use them both. We cannot just solely optimize on one because eventually it will get in the way. It will come at the cost of the other. That's right. Well said. Thanks for the summary. <laughs> well, Brad, this is awesome. I love this framework. Appreciate you sharing your time and lessons with me today. You've got a ton of experience in uh, numerous fields, and I'm just going to take this lesson away. Uh, number one, that, uh, you know, I got my own back. I love that phrase, and I love this framework. So thanks so much for sharing your time with me today. Thanks again for having me, Nate. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. I love the lesson Brad shared today. Fierce self-discipline requires fierce self-compassion. Doing hard things, showing up even when you don't feel like it, is integral to having meaning and excellence in life. But you've got to be kind to yourself too, because if you're not kind to yourself, the self-discipline is not going to be sustainable. What a simple, practical, underappreciated idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with two requests and one suggestion. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox each week, sign up for Nate's notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And now a suggestion. If you're like me and want to remember all of the lessons shared in previous episodes, visit the list of lessons page on my website, natemickle.com, to see all of the lessons that each previous guest has shared. Thank you for your support.